scripture for today's sermon comes from 1 Corinthians 10, verses 31 through 33. The word of God speaks to us. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. This is God's word to us. Well, good morning. I think I know most of you. My name is Chad Puckett, though. I'm one of the pastors here. And this summer, we've been looking at these rhythms of grace that God's given us. Rhythms that may seem familiar, may seem routine, may seem basic even, uh, but they're packed with meaning. They're packed with purpose for our lives when approached the right way. Sometimes we just reduce it to just uh, disciplines that we've got to do this and I've got to just tighten everything up. But like, no, we want to see that, that these are actually graces given to us. That as we walk them out as rhythms, they're, they're good things. So we've talked about scripture, like we read the Bible not as a duty, but as a delight trying to, to get that. And sometimes we read big, and sometimes we read small. So it's thinking about feasting and snacking and all of those pieces. And, and speaking of feasting and snacking, we, we spent a, a week on fasting and solitude. We, we spent a week talking about that. We, last week, we were talking about prayer as a, as a rhythm that God has given us, a, a grace in our life. And we've even speak, we, we spent a week talking about membership in the local church as God's gift to us. It is a good thing for us. You may have been here for each week. You may have been here for each one of those. You've heard them. You may, or you may be nodding and understanding and just like, I get it. I know what these, I know what something like that is. But, but we're trying to dig under the surface. That's one of the things that we're trying to do here. We're trying to actually dig under the surface uh, of each one of these rhythms to those gut-level questions. They're like, why am I here? Those things that all of us feel, why am I here? What is this for? What is all this leading to? What is it about? You may be somebody who's, who is faithfully following after Jesus. I don't want to just assume that, but that, that may be you, where you're a person who's faithfully following after Jesus. And I just say, praise God for that. You may be somebody here that is like, I'm not even sure what I believe about Jesus. I'm not sure if any of this Jesus stuff is true. And what, what I want you to hear is that we're, we're really glad you're here. We're really glad you're here. There's no question off limits. You, there's, there's not a spot that, that you uh, couldn't come to us in a quiet moment or, uh, or after the service and ask your question. We, we can take that. But I think what is for, for so many people is that we actually would say that we're following after Jesus when, when in reality what, well, all we've really known is religion. In, in rule keeping, in, in just trying to almost earn our way to God. And so we would say that we're following after Jesus, but the reality of our life is that we don't actually know him. And that's, that's actually the hardest one to, to connect with because there's a self-assuredness that is attached to it that makes it really hard to hear. It's really hard to hear. And so this morning... My, pre my prayer is that regardless of where you're at, that we would try to say, God, help me to hear you. 
If you're real, help me to hear you. God, I've been following you for a long time. Help me to hear you. God, I, I think that there's something going on, and help me to hear what you have to say to us. We want to talk about work as a rhythm of God's grace that we would have a, a view much bigger than just our job, much bigger than, than just uh, going through the motions, but a grace for our good. It's not just an occupation, but it's packed with purpose because our God is kind and he's given us something to take care of us. And so we'll do this with three turns. We'll do this just looking at work as a gift. We'll look at work as a revealer and then work as an act of worship. Those three things. And so I, I just want to pray real fast and I want you to pray with me. I want to just ask God to meet us and help us to approach this with fresh eyes and, and hearts to receive. Father, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you for meeting us. We need you, and we need you to help us to actually have listening ears, eyes to see, ears to hear. We, we want you to work not only on our minds, but our hearts. We want you, to, God, to, to bring us right past religion and, and directly to the, the, the throne of grace that you invite us to, where the Father meets those who have run. So God, lead us there. Help us to see it in your text. And I pray that we would hear your voice today in, directly from Scripture. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's just start here. Let's start with just trying to blow up the box that so many of us put around work. Let's try to just reframe this a little bit. And, and I want to start with just an illustration. Maybe you have seen one of the greatest movies of all time. Maybe you've seen this movie. It's about a monk who does not love the, the tasks that are given him in this. And, and he longs for something more. And he's a religious man who is saying, like, I'm right here, but I think that there's more to life. And maybe you've seen this, it's Nacho Libre, and it's a masterpiece. Yes. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I will hear no arguments about whether or not this is a perfect movie. It is. We can talk about that later. But notice what Nacho says. Notice what our man Nacho says. He says, maybe I'm not meant for these duties. Cooking duty. Dead guy duty. Maybe it's time for me to get a better duty. And I just want you to think about that for a second because we feel like that. And maybe you felt like that of like, man, I'm just in this job and it's not doing anything for my, my life or my heart. I just feel like I'm grinding and going through the motions. And if you might be feeling similar ways about your job, about work in your life. And I, I just want to say, friends, our God... Our God has called each of us to something much, much more. And so we're here in this text in 1 Corinthians 10, and I just want to read it to you again. I want to read to you this very first verse, and it, it will be up here a lot. Whether, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. 
do it all to the glory of God. God hasn't given us uh, work as some nine to five, Monday through Friday thing, but as an all-encompassing mission for life and for flourishing. It's all-encompassing. It's for all of life, this is. And so if, if you've reduced it down to the job that you have, you're missing what the Bible is calling you to. You're missing what the Bible has called you to. And so this is what we're talking about. This is the forgotten and, and often neglected, like, basics of work as gift. It's the, this part of it where work is a gift given to us from God. So let me start with just a little bit of context for where we are. I'm reading this from 1 Corinthians. This is chapter 10, so you know that there are a few chapters that came before it. And Paul, the the author of this, the Apostle Paul, author of much of the New Testament, is writing this church and, and unpacking a lot of things in a buckwild, crazy church in Corinth. And he's saying, this is what life looks like. This is what it looks like in the body. This is how we're going to walk this out together. And particularly for these chapters, for about three chapters in here, he's speaking directly to gifts, gifts given to us, spiritual gifts. He speaks about love in those chapters. He speaks about all sorts of ways that the body is knit together in these things. And right here in context, the specific thing that he's talking about is people eating food, drinking drinks that were sacrificed to idols. And so he comes into this and he he says like, so whether you eat or drink in this context, like whatever you do and everything that you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so we, we, we see that he's not just speaking specifically to the issue on the table, so to speak. He's speaking a much broader picture over the whole thing. Whatever you do in everything, do it all to the glory of God. Paul just stopped the argument around specific foods or even specific vocations. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You see, the Bible is a story of God working. That's what it is. From front to back is God working. From front to back is God working in so many beautiful ways. Chapter 1, you see God working out creation quite literally creating this world, author of every one of it. You see him doing these things. And and sometimes people think and and get in their head that work is part of like just this fallen world. It's part of the curse. It's part of sin having entered into it. And what we see in chapter 1, you get into 26 through 28, and this is what theologians call the creation mandate. It's where God creator gives Adam and Eve this task, this work, so to speak, of going and being part of his purposes and plans in creation. This is what God's doing from the very first page of scripture. And now, there are aspects that are part of the fall. When we think that work is punishment, when we're doing bad work, when we come across it, when, we, when work becomes our idol attempting to replace God, those are results of the fall. But work itself and God calling us to this is not because of sin. It's actually a gift given us in chapter 1 from God. 
work and working hard are not bad things. And so from the very first page, you see this. And if you fast forward all the way up to the New Testament, you see Jesus is a carpenter. Paul, the, one, the author of this letter, is a tent maker. You go even further to the last book of the Bible, and you get to Revelation, this last letter of the Bible. You, you even get to the end of that book, and in chapter 21, you hear, you hear God say, Behold, pay attention, Notice these things. Don't miss this. Behold, I am making all things new. I'm making all things new. It's God at work from the first page to the last page. God gave us this rhythm of work because he is good. Because he knows what's best for us. And because, like, he is including us in his purposes for his kingdoms. Work is not your job. Work isn't just reduced to your job or your, uh, the place that you go a couple days a week and stuff. It's, it's your created purpose to be here furthering his creation. We're to work and work hard because the king has put dignity and worth, meaning, and purpose into those efforts. That's why we work. And so in everything that we do, whether you eat or drink, in every bit of it, do it all to the glory of God. But it's, it's right here where we get things twisted. It's in moments like this where we, we get it twisted. Maybe, maybe you have been working to get stuff. And maybe, like maybe you're working to be something, to get a title, to have other people think something of you. Like maybe, maybe you're working for that. Maybe, maybe you're simply like neither one of those necessarily fit. You hate your job and you're just grinding it out. You're like, I only have to do this for, maybe you even have the, the counter, the day counter on your desk of like, I only have to do this for 7,000 more days. Maybe you're just asking, like, is this it? Is this all that, like, I'm going to do? And, and a lot of people reach this point in their life, mid, that midlife crisis, so to speak, where you're like, man, this is not what I set out to do. This is not it. And this leads us to our second point, which is really important for us. Because what we see throughout Scripture is that work isn't a chore, it's a gift. But work is also a revealer. It's a revealer of our hearts. It's a revealer of our condition. It's a revealer of our loves. It's a revealer of our idols. It's a revealer of all these areas in which I say, God, I want you, and yet I actually am wanting other things. Work as a revealer. Because we put it in a box, don't we? We put it in a box just calling it our job. And sometimes that, it, it might be a really beautiful box or a really big box. It might be a lousy box that you would rather not have and something else. But work can be, can turn into our provider. Work can, we can try to turn work into giving us our identity. Work can be our master for sure, but when it, it was always intended to draw us back to God. 
It's always about drawing us back to God. And so our text says it, it do everything, all, whatever it is, for the glory of God. And there it is. There's your revealer right there. Because when we're doing our work for some other purposes, it reveals where we're off. It reveals to us where we're, we're, we're just missing the mark, where we're missing the point of what we're here for. Where work is about our identity, we're missing the point and robbing the purpose. It's missing the point of our text. When, when we think that work is going to validate us, man, we're missing it. And we know, we, each one of us, we live in a world where there are bills to pay. We live in a world where things cost, and all of us are feeling like things are costing more today than they did yesterday. All of us are experiencing that. That's, those things are real. But when we're just, when you're using work to chase more and more, we're missing the point and putting our hope in the wrong things. Putting our hope in the wrong things. One writer put it this way. He says this, workaholics are not heroes. They don't save the day, they just use it up. You see, we're given these days for a purpose. We're given these days for a reason. Workaholics aren't heroes. It's not a badge of honor. It actually uses the day given us. This guy isn't a believer. He's, he's just writing from a, a perspective of practicality. And he's naming something that as believers should be something that we carry in our bones. That each day is given us for a reason, for grace, and, and for us to know God and help others know God. But when we miss what work is, we miss the point. When our job, occupationally or otherwise, is just, is just going through the motions, we've missed the point. And it's in these things that we, we find ourselves at this crossroads between what the Bible says and what we feel. This crossroads is really important for us. It's the very place that God wants to meet us. It's this very place that he wants to work in our lives. So work, as the Bible speaks of it, is so much more than a job. It's actually a rhythm. It's, a, it's an ebb and a flow between work and rest, which, by the way, is what we're covering next week, rest. How is rest more than just vegging out and watching uh, a, a whole series right there in one afternoon? How is rest actually life-giving and a grace for us? This is why the passage says, whatever you do. It doesn't just fit neatly in your nine-to-five. It doesn't just fit neatly in your job. It's something that God has said, no, you're called to bring life and work in whatever you do. I love how Elizabeth Elliot says it. Elizabeth Elliot in her book, Discipline, The Glad Surrender. Just hear the title, The Glad Surrender. She says it this way. Work is a blessing. And God has so arranged the world that work is necessary, and he, he gives us hands and strength to do it. The enjoyment of leisure would be nothing if we had only leisure. It's the joy of work well done that enables us to enjoy rest. Just as it is the experience of hunger and thirst that make food and drink such pleasures. The glory of God 
needs to inform us and transform us. Our, it needs to, to work those things out in, in how we view work and what we're doing. Again, uh, Tozer, A.W. Tozer says this in Pursuit of God. He says, it's not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It's not, it's not what you do that determines that. Let us believe that God is in all our simple deeds and learn to find him there. Let's learn to find him there. Friends, God in his kindness gives us work as a revealer of our hearts. Work that just reveals more and more of where we're at with God. And this takes us to our final point. It takes us to this incredible irony that we find ourselves in. Is that work as an act of worship. If you've been around church for a while, if you've been spent any time in church, so often we come to a word like work and we're like, oh, no, no, it's all free grace. It's all this. And it is. God's grace is free. Everything that we have in salvation is given to us in the work of Jesus. But God doesn't like tell us to run away from the word work. It's actually bound up. It is wrapped up in our worship. We don't just worship on Sundays. We don't just worship when the band's up here. We're worshiping in whatever we do. Down to the mundane, whether you eat or whether you drink. And all of us do that, friends. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And so work as worship. If our first point was work as a gift and much bigger than our job, Second thing is work is a revealer showing us our heart like this echocardiogram of our heart that tells us where we are not healthy, where we are missing, where we're struggling in these things. Well, this, notice where this passage leads us. In verse 32, it says this, give no offense. Paul moves. He's not changing topics. He's just said this is bigger than your, than your box that you've put it in. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or the church of God. That's interesting. He gives all three of those things. He, he delineates in a way that is, is fascinating to us because it's like to those people that uh, would claim the name of God, to those people who have been rescued by Jesus and out there, he's also to those people around us that don't know the living God. He says, the whole place, and he gets even more specific after that, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but hear this, that many, that they may be saved, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. You see, these, these two verses are shocking to us. It's our motivation for the things that we do, not just as a, as a job, but that we would walk out as acts of worship in the everyday spaces and places that God has given us. I don't know where your job is, but I know that wherever you go, you're called to be at work. I don't know what you would say your occupation is, and sometimes we lead with that, right, because it's identity-giving. It's identity piece for us where we say, I am this. No, you are a child of God who has been sent by him to those around you. And so when, like, 
our daily moment-by-moment changes, it, is, it says give no offense. Give no offense. This isn't saying to shrink, to sit back, but to live differently. To live differently all the time. To set that as our goal, to live differently. This isn't calling us to be people pleasers. It's not saying just try to keep everybody happy at all costs. No, this is calling us to be God adorers. Because every bit of this is to the glory of God. This isn't calling us to accumulate stuff in some twisted up American dream version of whoever has the most toys wins. It's actually a rhythm. A rhythm of God's grace in that we work and we rest. It's an invitation for you and for me into worship. Sometimes we think we have to have uh, the type of music on to worship or we have to be in a lone space. But that's not where we live most of our days. That's not where we find ourselves most of the time. And God is inviting us to live lives that are worshiping him in all places. And so as we wrap this, I, I just want to say, like, the question is, like, how do we bring glory to God through our work and through these spots? Because how can, we, how can work be worshipful if we don't know how to answer that? Like, what are some actual real steps? What are some ways in which we see this? I, I, I love it because my brain goes to all sorts of absurd notions. But Martin Luther uh, helped us right here. And Paul will help us as well. Martin Luther says it this way. The Christian shoemaker, the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on his shoes, but by making good shoes. Because God is interested in good craftsmanship. So let's not, let's not turn it into a caricature where it's like, oh, to bring glory to God, I just have to put a cross on something or put uh, Jesus on this or, or some sort of weird end zone dance of whatever your day is where at the end of our dancing and prancing, we just like make a sign of a cross and point up to the heavens. That's not what we're being called to. The task isn't how many crosses can you get on uh, one hat that you sell at a store. The, The idea is, like, how do we do good stuff that brings life and beauty and ultimately glory to God? So in everything you do, whether you go into an office or a garage, a clinic, or you work from home, do it all to the glory of God. And here's where I would lead you. It's through your attitudes and your actions. It's right here. This same Paul writing to this church in Corinthians wrote to other churches as well. He wrote to the church in Ephesus. And he says this, and I I just want to read this because I think it helps give color to what Paul is talking about. Again, he's writing to another church of what life looks like for followers of Jesus. And this is what it looks like. And I want you to see what he says. Assuming that you've heard about him, Jesus, and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created 
after the likeness of God. So there's a, a put off and a put on created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now catch this. Catch this next line. Let the thief no longer steal. But rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now catch this. Like here's what's being said. Like, this weird line comes out of it. He's talking about lying and anger. And he's talking about like put off and put on. And then there, Paul goes like, let the thief, what does a thief do? And we know there's intellectual ways of, of doing it. But at its base, at its core, a thief takes his hands and he takes something that's not his. And Paul says, instead, you want to know how you're putting off and putting on? Take those same hands and do something with it. Your work. Your labor. Like do something with it. And not just for your good. This is good for you because it is forming and transforming you. But for other people that you would have something to share with your neighbors. Like this is, Paul is linking all of these things together. Work as worship for a purpose. For our lives to be transformed. And for our hearts to be in line with him and what he's calling us to. He says that. He's giving us these things. You're not just an accountant. You're not just a teacher or a mechanic or a stay-at-home mom. You are more than a doctor, more than all of these things. You are called to join in God's work in these everyday spaces and places that he has led you. Dragging in late, giving half effort or half attention is not what God is calling you to. If you're, if you're in an office, bring life. Bring life. That you would have something to bless those around you with. If you were remote, bring integrity. That you would have something to care for those around you with. If you are, are giving quotes as part of your job, do that with truthfulness. And where you can cut corners, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. Because God has baked in this work and this calling into our lives for a reason, for our good. And so let me ask you these questions. Where is or has your work been just about you? Where do you have a bad case of the Mondays? Where is your heart on a Tuesday getting up and getting after it? Where have you been working just for the weekends, just to get to the weekend and just to get there? And where is God inviting you to see that he's actually given you a good gift in this? I want you to notice where the text ends. 
It ends with something really important for us. We're to live with a different purpose because it matters to those around us that they might be saved. How you live, how you handle yourself, how you, all the way down to whether you eat or you drink matters. That others might be blessed, that others might be saved, that others might see this God and respond to it. And the, this, this is actually like amazing. This is, this is a rhythm that God has given us, work and rest, that is, is actually amazing. But catch this, God isn't calling you to be amazing. God is amazing. He's already baked it in. He's not calling you to be some superstar. He's not calling you to have all the answers. He's not calling you to be present every time someone calls. He's not calling you to be the hero of the story because he is. He's calling you to walk in a different way and to work in everything that you do. In every aspect of your life for the glory of God. I just, I just need to name this. That might seem obvious or dumb to some of you. Like, ah, whatever. I don't really care about those people. Like, I'm just trying, I'm going through this. I want to bring glory to God, but like, I'm not really thinking about other people in that. And I just say, if, if that, if this, these last lines that Paul puts here in 1 Corinthians 10 doesn't move you to some point, it might be that you are not saved. It might be that you've been in church for a long time, maybe prayed a prayer and really felt like you meant it. Maybe that you've been walking and know a lot of things about God, and yet he's never actually got your heart and changed your heart because he's called us to a task that isn't just our J-O-B or getting through this world and living a, a fruitful life. He's actually called us to be his image bearers and his ambassadors in this world. He's called us to something. And how we respond to that actually matters. We're not working to earn anything from God. It's all been freely given to us. But because of his saving grace and because of his work in our lives, it changes everything. It leads us to seeing the mundane different. It, sees, it leads us to see those around us different. And it, see, it leads us to see all of life, not just about us gathering stuff, but about him in his glory. We can argue about whether Nacho is a great film or not, or whether Nacho's words are profound, whether it leads you to worship or not. But there's really no argument about whether when Paul says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, and I think it's safe to assume that every single person in here does, do it all to the glory of God. Will you pray with me?